0: Hey everybody, this is Crystal Marks, the Executive Director of Seattle Pride. I want to let you know Pride is virtual this year. It is still happening June 26th to 28th. Register for free at togetherforpride.org. We are focusing on our BIPOC, our Black-Brown, Indigenous community members. We want to make sure we see you there. I'm Mary Angela Abeo, and this is Virtual Pride on the Face-to-Faces podcast. While pride is amazing with all the glitter, libations, and celebrations, the real pride is striving to live our truths and fighting for equality, education, and inclusion whenever and wherever we go, starting right here in our personal spaces with how we celebrate ourselves and take care of our community. I'm hoping that this month, we give you content to help remind you That though this year's pride may be quiet in your neighborhood bars, clubs, and sidewalks, there is an incredible community of humans ready to celebrate you. And no matter who you talk to, there will always be someone who can connect to your journey. Though we're physically separate this year, no one can take the connection that our pride gives us to each other. Now, let's lean in and celebrate. I am so grateful to have these two amazing humans joining me today for Virtual Pride Month, and more specifically, Transgender Pride, all the way from the UK, Jake and Hannah Graff. Jake is an actor, screenwriter, director, and transgender rights activist. His work in short films has been so substantial, and uh, he tirelessly, tirelessly works to normalize queer and trans experiences to a larger and more mainstream audience. Hannah is formerly Britain's highest ranking transgender soldier, has served as an officer with the Royal Electrical and Mechanical Engineers, as well as the King's Royal Hussars. Jake and Hannah have recently become new parents to the beautiful Millie. These two amazing humans have taken the world along with their lives from dating to marriage, and now as parents, graciously taking along taking us along as they build their lives together you two I know it's been a little bit of a roller coaster getting you here but I'm so grateful for your time thanks for being
1: here thank you for having us it's uh, lots of fun to, to be kind of doing this with Seattle so all very everyone's zooming so it's uh, very exciting to be talking to you today
0: right I think that's the that's one of the silver linings in this crazy time in the world is that we are able to connect with people that not normally we would have connected with. So, I mean, I think that's my first question that I have for everyone. With the state of the world now, with both the virus being in pandemic, and of course the racial pandemic that we're all dealing with, how are you doing today? How are you doing in this kind of state of the world?
2: I mean, we're doing doing okay, I guess. Um, It's a, we are, I think having had a baby in the middle of this pandemic has, Oh, talk of which, she's <laughs> currently uh, I love that uh, her she's out, uh, so she obviously wants to be part of the podcast as well mm-hmm. um no but I think it was just it's one of those times where you kind of almost crave to be you're in your little bubble with you know you and your partner mm-hmm. and your baby so on one hand it's kind of really nice um but on the other hand it is difficult not being able to share her as much as we'd like so my parents are a different part of the UK and I've never even met her yet. She's their first grandchild, and so they're desperate to meet her, but can't travel because of the pandemic. So there's it, it's a it's a really odd time where we have moments of sheer joy and adoration, and think, "Wow, this is just an incredible moment to be us as a couple and as a family." And there are other times where it can feel a bit overwhelming, but we've got each other, and so you know that we look after each other, and that's kind of that's what gets us through.
1: Yeah, I would agree with most of what I just didn't hear. <laughs> but, uh, I think you know, f- for us, it's been a hectic few months. You know, we we were very very lucky just before all the kind of lockdown and so on. You know, we spent a week in Miami, which was kind of our last. Everyone said, you know, spend time together. You'll regret it if you don't. You know, if you don't have your last couples' holiday, and you know, you'll you'll look back and you'll regret it. So we we booked this thing when literally no one really was talking about corona. And we went off for a week. And as we were out there, President Trump started obviously announcing the lockdowns and the, the fact that we might actually get stuck in Miami, which, to be honest, Miami was lovely and we would have been quite <laughs> all right. <laughs> but then we were very aware that we had a surrogate back in Northern Ireland who was getting a little bit nervous because obviously she was, you know, in Ireland, we were in Miami, and things were closing down rapidly. So we kind of bolted home, locked down here for a couple of weeks, went over to Ireland, had a baby, came back, and then this is it. So we haven't seen friends or family for weeks and weeks. Um, our mothers haven't yet held our baby, and we've kind of adjusted to just being like a little threesome, which is quite cute. But then, you know, all you want to do is take your baby out and have people hug and, and kind of cuddle your baby, and that has not happened yet. So she was uh, she's seven weeks old on Tuesday, so she's just about to turn seven, and we are the only two people who've ever held her. So it's weird, but great at the same time you know i've wanted to be a father my entire life so this is pretty good stuff
2: yeah. i think on reflection we both know, we keep on telling ourselves how lucky we are obviously we've got each other we have millie we have a home we have a garden you know and there are much bigger things going on in the world you just mentioned that like, the racial pandemic there is a huge amount of people going through a really really tough time and we are not one of those people so we're trying to be thankful for what we've got and you know you just try and keep
0: positive yeah, I love that. I think that's all we can do right now in this time is just kind of deal with that and it sounds like the hardest thing you're experiencing is just not being around people and and all of that and I think that that's probably huge because I know when when I had a little baby that having your parents around is actually super helpful to have like, you know, somebody to give you a break. And so you probably haven't had much of a break. You have each other, but you're both tired, yeah. I'm assuming. I mean, we
2: we had a good shift we, we had a good shift system where i would go to bed early and jake would take on the early evening and then i would take on the sort of the middle of the night and so we managed to get asleep but then we sacrificed our time together and you're right there were a couple of times where we just really wanted someone just to come and just look after the baby for an hour just so we could have a meal together or you know just go for a walk together but obviously we haven't had that and it has been frustrating but uh you know, Millie's just started to sleep in her basket away from being attached to us, so we're getting a little bit of time back. But, you know, we're adapting. We're doing the best we can. Uh, I think I'm I'm more gutted that, you know, our loved ones haven't held her rather than really needing the help. And the help would be nice, but, yeah, it's right. the... I, I just want to imagine this moment in my life of having a baby... I imagine, like, my mum and my dad and my brother and Jake's family all being here and cooing over her and holding her. And, you know, it's all done through a screen like this, which is, you know, not a bad idea, but it's certainly not
1: the best. Yeah, and good. also, you know, with the food would be nice, you know, and all the baby <laughs> yeah. books It's like, at this time in the in your birth, in the, you know, child's life, you'll be getting lots of pasta bakes and lasagnas mm-hmm. and, you know, cakes dropped at the door. And we're like, great, where the hell are the cakes? Right. There had been no cakes. <laughs> <laughs> but then I'm always hungry, so, you know. Man, it makes me wish I lived
0: closer to you as a 100% Italian, I would be cooking you pasta meals all of the time. So
1: I'm a big fan of the chicken parmesan and you know, eggplant okay. Anything with cheese and chicken and uh, eggplant is good for just, me.
2: Just good pasta, good pasta with pasta. lovely.
1: So we're we'll getting we're we'll getting to later on Sorry. about what we like to eat, okay?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm forever connected now that I know that you love pasta, so that makes me
1: happy. Well, oh, pasta Oh, no. Yeah. Be careful. <laughs> when it gets Who's near you? these devices, it does tend to come Oh, off. my gosh. <gasps>
0: yeah.
1: Oh, she's just an angel. I oh, yeah. can't really see her there. No, I can, see,
0: I can see it. She's an angel. She, yeah. She's I angels mean, occasionally.
2: Doesn't necessarily make the best podcast material, but that is our little baby. You baby know
0: what? I do, you, you can share photos forever and I will be fine with it because I... Definitely have shed some tears. Look at that smile. Such yes, like smile. a smiler. Such a smiler. <laughs> Jake's like, is that my
1: smile? Mm-hmm. I will. It's very, very fortunate that Millie is half my genetic material because it was something that I had wanted all my life. And so I, you know, not to go into that, not even ask, but I was very, very lucky that when I began my transition, I, I, I couldn't even think about having eggs harvested or anything like that. But then six years later, I stopped testosterone, had eggs harvested. This was before I met Hannah. And the miracle, never really thinking it would happen. And now here we are, and Hannah and I have been together five years, and we have a little baby. And we still, this is the thing, is that I still every day look down at her and think, oh, my God, we've got a baby. And I'm still like, I never thought, growing up as a trans boy and knowing all my life that I was different, I'm never having support and never being told you can have everything that anyone else can have. I'm just thinking I was never going to find love or marriage or a baby, any of these things. And yet, you know, I look at this beautiful woman and I look at my baby and I think, wow, you are incredibly lucky. So yeah. You
0: You both are such a great example of what, what, the community needs, and more specifically, what the trans community needs to have hope and to have, like to see what's possible. And I think that I I, I spoke with a friend when um I had confirmed this interview that is a huge fan of yours, and uh, he said I have shed many of tear during their journey because they told me what's possible. And I think that I I think that you have both been so generous in exposing and just just like you said you know a few seconds ago you didn't even ask but here I am sharing you know you're sharing these details that I know as a queer person that falls under this trans umbrella that I'm like that's not my place to ask it's not my place it's nobody's business to ask but you are so generous in information about your lives to help other people that um and you've been very intentional about it. And I and I would love to go into talking about that because I think that you're always very intentional about what you share, about your verbiage, about um, everything in your timeline. And uh, what made you both sit down and discuss making your lives part of, of the world's kind of, not business, but sharing it with the world?
2: I mean, we so we we were, we were both kind of, in the public eye to a certain degree before we met and I mean for me I'd, I'd come out as transgender in the British army, um, I was a captain, I was doing my job you know happily just trying to get on with my soldiers, leave my soldiers, do the right thing and all of a sudden I had a phone call from the army's press team and they said one of the biggest newspapers in the UK, The Sun, is going to run an article on you. You've got two options, you either um, ignore it which is you're absolutely your right, but then the right story that you want, that they, that they want, or you engage with it, you tell your story your way, and that's you have a little bit more control. And so I was kind of given this kind of like Sophie's Choice kind of situation where neither was what I wanted to do, but I chose to tell it, tell it intentionally and tell it correctly and hold the journalist to account. Say so I will give you the information that you're looking for, but you need to tell it accurately. And it became a positive story, and yes, it was clumsy, and a lot of the stuff around us has sometimes been clumsy in its language, because it's written by you know, cisgendered, non-queer journalists. But at the same time, um, I learned very early on that telling your story your way, in a positive manner, can give a lot of hope to people. And it's just something I knew, I know that I would have, what I knew is something that I really wanted when I was younger. And so if we have the opportunity to give it to other people, that's great. We know our story won't relate to everyone in the trans community. We're a massively vibrant community and we're very different. We're only just one version of... And we are incredibly
1: privileged, obviously, as white people who've been accepted by our families, who've been accepted kind of to a degree embraced by the media. And we know that we are incredibly fortunate in that respect. But, you know, ever, ever since we put out the first couple of photos of us and we got so much like outpouring of love and hope and, you know, support and people saying to us, you know, you really make us feel like we can fall in love and like we can find a partner. And, you know, we'd never advocate just for trans on trans relationships because, you know, we are far too diverse and, as Hannah says, vibrant to kind of be, you know, put in just that box. You know, we should be able to date whoever we want. But for us, you know, the relief of not having to explain to Hannah what dysphoria meant or how I felt about my body or, you know, those moments when you're crippled with it. And Hannah didn't try and say, you know, the thing that a lot of cis people say, you know, but you're so beautiful to me, which, as we know, doesn't help at all. You know, it's like, well, that's good for you. Now leave me alone. But Hannah never said that because Hannah got all that. And, you know, we know that, as Hannah said, we looked desperately for any kind of positive representation when we were growing up. And I grew up, you know, I'm a bit older than Hannah. I grew up in the kind of mid-80s, and there was nothing. The word transgender wasn't used. You know, it was a place where I looked out and didn't see a single transgender man, until I was like, I didn't mean another trans guy until I was 26 years old. Mm. And that was such an isolating thing. And if we can put ourselves out there on Instagram or Facebook or wherever and get the messages of support and hope, and, and we are, as I say, really fortunate. We've got some great followers and some great supporters. And it's important, you know, we all need to... so long as it's safe to do so, because we get messages saying, I want to be out, I want to be proud, tell me what to do. And we'll always say, so long as it's safe for you to do so. And if you want to be visible, and you want to give that representation, wherever you're from in the community or the world, then you absolutely should do that, because that's what we need. I don't like the word normalised, but that's what it is. It needs to be normalised so that we are just the same as everyone else and so that people don't balk at you when you say you're trans or you're queer, that it just becomes commonplace. And we get to a place where people aren't scared to come out and it just kind of is, oh, you're queer, great, done.
0: Right, so there's no more qualifiers. There's no more of that. I was just speaking to people I know that you know, um, T. Cooper and uh, Scott Turner, (laughs) Scofield both are it as part of the – Um, transgender pride in this pride month for me. And, you know, we were all talking about those qualifiers and how the media, the cisgender het media is really only interested in the struggle. They're interested in the horror stories, the struggles, and... Um, or the transition specifically.
1: Or the firsts. You know, it's this first. We are by no means, and we all know this, the first transgender parents in the UK. And every paper, every newspaper, every article has said, but are you? And we've said, no, by no means. (laughs) And then they've still run with these headlines. "UK's first transgender parents. And not only is it like it's obviously, you know, devaluing the whole thing, but all those people that we know who have been parents for 10 or 20 years are like, Guys, what the hell? And we're like, hey hey, Sorry. Not coming to you. <laughs> there is only so much you can do to say, Look, mainstream media, stop lying. But then it's always it's a first. Hannah was the first transgender army captain, which of course she wasn't. You know, I was the first trans actor, which of course I wasn't. You know, all these nonsense firsts that they love to seize upon, which makes it seem like we've been around for two minutes as opposed to millennia, you know? It's it's a real
2: fine line to tread and, and in reality it's a very gray area because we we are trying to get a whole portion of the population who don't know anything about queer people to understand a little bit about our journeys and so we're going to have to use some language some narratives which we want to move past but we can't move past because they're not there yet and I think sometimes as a community we can get ourselves really het up about the way we communicate but the truth is that there are times to use that simplified language and use a simplified narrative and there are times not to do it and you've just got to remember who your audience is so sometimes you know there's like for example born in the wrong body as a community I think we want to move past that because we're not born in the wrong bodies our bodies are our bodies but it's a really useful term to explain to someone who isn't transgender what that sensation might feel like and why it feels like we need to align our bodies and our identities so i think it's a a really difficult line to tread and when you're in the public eye you can get it from both angles but i think all we try and do is control our story as well as we can tell it as positive as we can and just give hope to some people who are maybe younger or earlier on their transition who just identify with us in some way and just want to know that there is a possible life out there where they can be happy
1: and actually, weirdly, what, what we found most of all, because Hannah and I are both patrons of the Mermaids charity over here, which is an amazing charity, which uh, works with transgender and gender nonconforming kids and their families. So kids from three up to 19 get all the resources they need. And obviously not just them, but their brothers and sisters who might be bullied at school for having a trans brother or sister. The, you know their parents who are banging their heads against the wall, who may be getting bullied within their communities for supporting their trans child. You know, it's those, it's those mums and dads, and usually, sadly, it's largely mothers because quite often the fathers can't handle it. But we get those mums when we have, like, these big meetups coming up to us and saying, you have given us hope that... My trans daughter can have a husband, can meet someone, can have a baby, can be a mother, can be an army captain, can be an actor, can be a all of these things that I think when a, a child comes out to you as, as trans, you know, because it is so tough for trans people out there, in particularly in, in, in different parts of the world, you know, where they are the lowest earning demographics, where they are being abused, as we know, on a daily basis, all these sort of horror stories that these parents read. And then they they look at not just Hannah and I, all the other kind of mermaids role models, and they see hope for their kids. And that's what really, really matters because the kids are like, the kids are fine. They've got their online communities. They've got their friends. We're just the old boring couple to them now, you know, Jake and Hannah, whatever. But it's the mums and dads, and it really makes a difference, I think.
0: Yeah, I think both of your work, I think it, it makes a difference. I, lo- I will definitely include a link to that organization because that sounds lovely. And I think I wish there were more like that. Um, I, I know uh, here in the U.S., uh, you know, I, I think the boundaries and borders and where each other lives, you know, I, I, I think this pandemic has made it uh, easier for us all to communicate and for Zoom and all of this. But I think through Instagram, especially, people feel really close to you. They followed your journey. Um, but I know that this there are downsides to this whole pandemic as far as, you know, you talked about not being able to see your parents and as far as your work. How is that being affected? You know, I know I talked to, you roll your eyes because I've talked to T Cooper, I've talked to Scott about it. Um, The entertainment world, uh, it's, uh,
1: yeah, its future is pretty unknown. Yeah, I mean, uh, the acting side of things, forget about it. And I've kind of had to resign myself at the moment to the fact that, you know, we are way off doing anything on that side of things. But then, you know, I spoke to my producer yesterday and he was like, look, you know, in terms of development, everyone's sitting around wanting to develop as much as possible because, you know, all we're getting on TV is reruns. And I'm sure it's the same for you. We're seeing like, you know, soaps that they've dragged up from 10 years ago because they're so desperate to fill the time slot. So when this can all somehow be implemented in a safe, socially distanced way and obviously, you know, the money comes back and as we know, that will take years in itself. When people can start making content again, there is going to be a massive appetite for it. So I'm writing on a couple of uh, shorts. I'm developing a couple of TV pilots, and I'm also still working on my feature film. So, you know, in that respect, there's lots going on, but there is not any kind of uh, earning capacity for quite some time down the road. So I'm very, very fortunate that my amazing wife works in uh, the banking industry and anti-financial crime, Mm -hmm. and that thank God she still has a job because there will always be scammers because otherwise we may not be – in our house right now.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I'm I'm on maternity leave, so I'm work from home, <laughs> not. Uh, so basically, I've got next uh, next three three months off, which is quite nice because it means that whilst Jake isn't able able to do as much acting work or you know maybe as much stuff outside of the house as you'd like, it means that we're a bit closer together through those early months with Millie, which is which is quite nice. But no, we're very lucky. Um, i have got a full work from home capability when I am at work. Um, got maternity leave. There is some stuff coming up you know here and there and you're doing a lot of development but yeah it's i think we're just adapting you know i think i think the the world is realizing how adaptable we can be um and it's amazing how normal some of these measures now feel when they felt so alien just a few weeks ago but we're just working out how to how to live a life in this new world
0: well, I think on top of your both of your jobs, I think your first job now is parents, and anybody who's been a parent knows that that is not nothing. That is a job in itself. It is uh, sometimes it, because you don't get a paycheck, people don't really um, qual- quantify it the same. But I am a hu- I mean, you can't even compare a paycheck to that first smile that you posted.
1: Like, come on. That's <laughs> like-
2: That is absolutely true. If only those first smiles paid the mortgage, it'd be great.
1: (laughs) That would be great. No, I mean, we we are incredibly lucky. And, you know, honestly, Millie is like our little bundle of joy. And, I've you know, I worked as a nanny since I was uh, Nanny Manny, since I was about 19 years old. So I've always looked after other people's kids. So, you know, for me to be a stay-at-home dad kind of made sense anyway. Once we've got this fabled mid-time, mid-afternoon nap that everyone talks about, the three hours that you get back. You know, they talk about this like it's gold dust. So when we finally get these three hours back, then I will use those three hours to be writing and to kind of get on with things. And, you know, obviously there'll be probably less productivity than there has been previously, where I've churned out several films every year. But, you know, we're going to have to to adapt. And, uh, you know, the last couple of films, actually Hannah has kind of co-directed with me, which is amazing because I've got a very kind of visual and very kind of artistic and emotive, and that's sort of my side of things. But Hannah's got this amazing very clinical kind of very pragmatic logical way of looking at things being a, a you know an electronic engineer and so on and uh, our filmmaking together actually has turned out quite well because i work i'm so caught up in the emotion the actors and everything else and hannah will point out you know the framing or the flag stand in the background or the you know the fact that it's just not working as a as a scene and, and it, i actually would love to do more more directing you know? yeah. yeah
2: yeah i mean i, I mean I, I would definitely love that i think it's one of those difficult things that a lot of people in the you know artistic frame have to battle with is your love for the project and how you pay the bills and you know we've got a a new mortgage and a new baby and you know those things don't come cheap but i think we've we found a way so far to kind of balance all of our different stuff and hopefully we'll keep on doing that for the baby
1: <laughs> and at least we need a baby for a film we don't have to go and beg around the neighborhood we can just yeah you don't have to sign the releases. You can just do it. Yeah, yourself.
0: <laughs> well, I think right now, um, you know, my project Faces of Fortitude is where this podcast started. And it started as a, as a project to honor my brother and to honor the loss that I had in my life and many people that have been touched by suicide and mental illness. And then it pivoted during this pandemic. I needed to create this safe space for people and continue it going. But you know, uh, over half of the applicants for my project or the people that send me messages every day are from the transgender community. Um, they feel connected to my own journey. They feel connected to all of it. And I feel like um, as part of this influencer base of, under the queer umbrella, I think people look so up to you. What would you say to a trans youth or someone that's starting their journey at a different point in their life that is struggling mentally, that is struggling with suicidal thoughts, that feels like they'll never fall in love, they'll never get married, they'll never have children, or they'll never fit into a binary that society has placed them in. Um, Do you have any
1: messages for people of that mental space? So you know, we obviously work with a lot of kids who are part of Mermaids, but not a lot of trans kids that message us as well. And I also work. Um, I'm a patron for the AKT charity, which helps uh, homeless LGBT youth as well. So you know, we work with a lot of kids, and what we would say is, you know, don't worry. I know it sounds it sounds silly, but when it's coming from someone who's gone through it i think you know hopefully it kind of buoys them up but just to say you know don't worry things will get better you know hannah and i didn't transition until weirdly 10 years apart we're both at the age of about 27 and these kids when they come up and they you know they come up to us at these meetings and they say you know i'm 14 and you know it's just my life's wasting and i'm desperate for you know blockers and i just need to kind of you know live my life and i say no we get that and of course you do and of course it's tough And if you've not managed to get onto blockers before puberty's hit, my God, we know how it is. I grew up dreading puberty and there were no blockers back then, you know, and it just hits you and everything goes to hell. But what I would say is, you know, things do get better. There are more and more of us out there. We are getting stronger and stronger in numbers. People are, you know, the good people are realising that we are everywhere, that we don't mean to harm anyone, that we're just different and actually different is beautiful And you will come to a point, be it at age 18 or, in Hannah and I's case, 27, or, you know, in in some of our community elders, you know, when they're kind of 50 or 60, you will come to find a day when you can look in the mirror and really love what you see and feel proud of yourself and know that you have support and know that you have community. And whether or not it's your chosen family or your actual family who may struggle with it at first and who may come around then you know you will find people who love you. So please don't give up hope, and please remember that you know once you're out of the game, you are out of the game. And we've all felt dark days, but if you can just get through one more day, there will come a time, I promise you, where you look back and you realise that it was all worth it.
2: I mean, it's quite hard to add to that. I would just, I would just say that many others have trodden this path, and it is achievable. It can be a long and winding path, and it can seem very uphill at times. But just take those steps. Take those steps. There are days when it's going to be difficult. Make sure you've got something to talk to. Like Jake says, it could be a family member. It could be a friend. It could even be someone online in a different country or, you know, a message board. But there are people out there who will listen to you and they will love you for who you are. There is, every everyone's journey is different. Some do it very quickly. Some take it a very long time. Some people aren't sure. Some people know certainly there is no right or wrong way to transition or to be yourself, but just do what's right for you. Take it at your own pace. Take steps. That are positively making your life better, and just know there is always someone out there to talk to if you need it.
0: Mm, I love that. Thank you both. Um, I would love to get into my lightning round questions as yeah. we close this. You just want to say bad words, don't <laughs> you? I do. I do. Only because I learned so much about swear words from British people. I'm in. Lo- I prefer yours to ours. <laughs> ours are so crass.
1: Um, but oh, we were doing so well. It's swear words have broken Millie up. I know Millie's little saintly is are on. like, hang on, oh, you- I'm just going re- to reinsert. I can, Hannah, I
0: can ask Hannah them first. It actually works great that way. Okay, Hannah, what's your favorite swear word? Shit. Is it?
2: Is that a surprise? That's quite a common one. I oh, think. So it's the just-
0: common, the most common is fuck, for sure. Yeah. But I love yeah. shit.
2: I just it just. I don't know, it just feels like a nice it's a short, level. Yes. Word. Yep. It's like you know, it's it's never you never say shit and really, really offend someone. Um like if I go if I was at home with my mum I could say shit quite happily. Right. So if I start saying other words then she might get a bit more upset. It just feels like a, a nice level of yes, I've expressed my displeasure or whatever's going on, but not in a really, really bad way.
0: Not too crass, yeah. You're Good, good, medium ground. Um, right now, some people, a lot of people, are either going to books or movies or music for self care. Do you have uh, music that you're listening to right now that, like, when things are hard, you're like, I need to put this music on.
2: I mean. I'm a I'm a rock girl at heart, and so usually I'd be telling you like some sort of you know you know classic rock anthem. What would what be what I go to? But honestly, what I go to at the moment is lullabies because that's what sends my little baby girl to sleep. And when she's sleeping, I'm very happy.
0: <laughs> it's almost as good as rock. I get. <laughs> Uh, what about yeah, you,
2: Jake? I mean, you? I mean, while I was singing songs to her though, because you know, I'm saying you must sing songs to her. I mean, <laughs> I've been singing her rock songs. I thought get on it early, so you know, Guns <laughs> and Roses, Metallica, you know, Metallica, uh-huh. getting getting used to
0: Skid Row. I love that. What about you, Jake? Do you have any music that you're listening to that like calms you?
1: Weirdly, I've kind of regressed to like my my tortured lesbian phase of uh, gosh, when was that? Like when I was like probably 17, and I was well into Annie DeFranco, I know you say Annie, but Annie DeFranco and uh, Little Plastic Castle, bizarrely, like I got back like, into it and, and it's so incredibly beautifully written and weirdly when I was listening to that in the, in the song Little Plastic Castle, when she's talking about like, you know, the day that someone like takes a picture and she's wearing lipstick and you know, like it's a new statement for all of womankind, people were policing us and um, that's within our own community is like 20 years ago, you're wearing too much lipstick. You can't be queer. Your, your nails are too long. You can't be queer. You don't look quite, you know, trans enough. And it's crazy that Arnie, because she's obviously a goddess and very bright, um, was having this and writing about it 20 years ago. So as I was listening just yesterday, I thought, what an inspiration. Yeah. So anyway, back to Annie Arnie. I love that.
0: Um, let's back up and get your favorite
1: swear word while we're talking. I mean, I quite like bollocks, you know, but then I also like the F word. I like, I hate, I take it. We're so conditioned with being like patrons of children's charities to never swear. (laughs) I love love fucking bollocks. I think it's great. I love fucking bollocks. Anyway, no more. I love that
0: that because I've, I was just telling Hannah when you had stepped away, um, that fuck is definitely the most popular one here, um, but a lot of different versions of it. So
1: I haven't heard fucking bollocks, so that's okay. Fucking bollocks. You know, you got you Americans know what bollocks means, right?
0: Um, mm, cut,
1: mm, like this balls. One. They're balls. Yeah.
0: Okay, yes, that's what I thought. Ball. but I didn't want to assume.
1: <laughs> yeah. Great. Right, Great. Right, right. Yeah. Love that. <laughs>
0: so uh, next, and you can you can answer this one together. I would love to hear a few influential people that have kind of inspired you to be who you are that are not white cis heterosexual men because they have enough attention
1: i mean for, for, for me and i think you might even agree jen richards the amazing jen richards who is the transgender actress and who is a friend of ours um who we last saw in austin i think uh probably about two a year ago 18 months ago um she was out there for the austin uh, international gay and lesbian film festival as were we and she's amazing she has kind of done what i tried to do but just a lot better she wrote her own content she shot her own content she starred in her own content and now she is you know trailblazing she's absolutely incredible And her performance of mrs madrigal in tales of the city that standalone episode which easily blew the rest of it out of the water was just stunning she i know she worked so hard on that and i think she's incredible so jen are we going with jen
2: yeah she's good I mean, I, I'm not, I mean, I love Jen. She's great. When he, I mean, she's really down to earth and gets a community and gets what the community needs, and yeah, I think it, it's nice because she's a great person to look up to from a kind of a in the public eye person. But when you speak to her, you really get the sense that she's a good person as well. She's cool,
1: and she went to Cambridge. Is it Cambridge? She always tells me off because I always get it wrong. I think it's I th- Oxford. Yeah. Is it Oxford? I think, so. I think it might be Oxford. Anyway, she's great. Yeah, so we she's love Jen for that.
2: Another one. Um, I mean, I'm going uh, to go away from the queer community, and that's Neil DeCrasse, Neil deGrasse Tyson. Mm. Um, I'm a very logical, science-y kind of person. I believe in the scientific method. I'm very kind of atheist, and I just um, I love the way he approaches the world, uh, both through like kind of independent, creative thought, explore, explorative thought, and I just think that when you look at the world in such kind of wonder and fascination and objectivity you actually see so much more of it and i think if more people thought like that then actually the queer community would find life a lot easier so um and also he talks about how to bring up kids and like just allowing them to explore the world and i think about that when i'm bringing up Millie. Really. so yeah maybe a bit left field but Neil DeGrasse Tyson.
1: and another one for me is there's the first transgender man actually that i ever met who's, who's he's not a famous man he's a guy called Nico barretta But he was the first trans guy I ever met in New York in, uh, I think, probably 90-something, early 90s. No, in fact, like 2005. And I'd never met a trans guy before. And I came out to the New York scene and I discovered all the lesbian bars, like Henrietta Hudson's and Meow Mix and all that. And in the middle of all this, there was this trans guy who just kind of was embraced and supported and was loved and took me under his wing and let me know at the age of 26 when I was in a really bad state um, that things was, things were going to be okay and that there was hope and that I could finally be me and he really probably saved my life because I was, it was dark days, I'd been drinking into oblivion for a, well over a decade and Nico kind of pulled me out of that and uh, every time we go back to New York we see him and genuinely this is one of the most inspirational people I know so Nico
2: well, I'm nice glad to be here in this situation alone
1: that is true, your one, next
2: oh, you want me to go again
1: oh, Ava Juvenet Yes. Yeah, um, well.
2: I you know, mean, she's yeah.
1: incredible. She's incredible. Yeah. Um, you
2: cried in the gym watching. Oh, When They See Us is such powerful, powerful cinema. I don't know if anyone sorry, you know, TV. I call it like that. cinema. cinema. It's, it's, yeah. yeah, that and
0: yeah. thirteenth, yeah. like her, her last two films have just, yeah, she's yeah.
1: incredibly talented. I said to Hannah, you know, you must watch this. You must, you know, I watched it all over, I think, like, one night. I said to her, you know, Hannah used to go running in the gym before all this. You must watch. So she, she said to me, she came home and she was like, you bastard. I was crying <laughs> on the treadmill this morning in front of all the other ladies. So, yeah, no, absolutely stunning and just doing great work. I would kill to work with her. I'm sure there is a long, 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 long line ahead of me, but that would be the dream. Right. Yeah, I agree with that statement. Is she? <laughs> oh, God, pacify is gone. I'll be back. That's okay,
0: <laughs> don't worry. I'm going to ask Hannah this question first anyways. So the last question is. If you could have lunch with your younger self, approximately how old would you be? What would you tell her? And more importantly, what would you two eat together?
2: Oh, see, the age really makes a difference, doesn't it? What age would I? So, what what age would I like to go back and talk to myself? Mm. Um, it's a real tough one. Um, I'd probably go back to speak to myself. Do you know what? I want to speak to myself when I was old enough to drink, so I can have a drink myself.
0: Okay. So <laughs>
2: which in the UK is eighteen. Um so I'd probably go and I'd probably go and speak to my eighteen year old self. I'd just gone to yeah. university and I was, you know, living with a group of people who were really exploring themselves for the for the first time. And I was so afraid to to be myself that I think I miss a huge chunk of opportunity at university to explore myself and what it was like to be me away from my family life, away from my parents. And I just think I I think that was a time when I really felt like I was losing myself and losing my time and I think I was watching other people move on with their lives, you know, having relationships and getting to know what it is to be, you know, a young adult. So I'd go back to myself when I was eighteen uh we'd probably eat my mum's roast lamb with mint mm. sauce oh mm. delicious and, and I would just tell them you know you've got a great journey ahead of you honestly your life is going to be amazing in ways you can't even imagine take your time get here when you can but just remember it's okay to be you and when you do finally feel comfortable your friends and family will be there and they'll support you in a way that you couldn't even possibly imagine right.
0: I love that. I also love Jake's face when you were talking about your mom's lamb.
1: warm with mint sauce. I think mint sauce is the most disgusting thing in the world. Do you Ameri- Americans don't eat mint sauce with with meat, do they?
0: Oh, we have. Yes, I th- I think that
1: sounds lovely, actually. So, okay, yeah. okay. <laughs>
2: right. mum. It's the most delicious.
1: Meal it's not even. At. It's not even that. I'm any any mint sauce. It's the kind of condiment that used to sit on the table and have to push it away because it made me quite physically gag. Oh, wow, that's so so ruining my meal. <laughs> <laughs> <I'm laughs> What's that question?
0: Okay, so this is your question is, what if you could have lunch with your younger self, (laughs) approximately what age would you be? What would you like to tell them? And more importantly, what would you eat together?
1: Uh, I think, you know, uh, probably in like my darkest time, I guess, just just to kind of cheer it up. I guess, you know, things were really, really dark for me. Around 25, I actually was drinking to such excess to kind of numb the pain that I had had of from being a trans teen and then a 20-something trans person. And, you know, this has been going since I was two years old when I finally started telling people that I was a boy and no one was listening. And uh, by the age of 25, when you drink to excess every day, strangely enough, your body can't take it. So I ended up in hospital with acute pancreatitis um, and very nearly died. And uh, that was the probably darkest, scariest point in my life because, you know, I think everyone was terrified and I – Unfortunately, moving forward, didn't see a way to kind of move forward without alcohol because I was still so miserable. So it was all a very, very difficult time. So I would sit myself down and say, there will come a time very soon, in fact, within the next three years, when you will finally tell your mum and tell your friends and tell everyone who you are, and you will be who you're meant to be. And it's all going to be okay. And there will come a moment when you can actually walk out of the house without having a drink, and it will all be fine. And you'll look back and think wow that was dicey but we've got through it what would I be eating I would be eating ribs and
2: (laughs) I could I I could have told you this myself
1: I'd be eating ribs and buffalo wings and cheddar biscuits because I
2: love barbecue can can I can I ask the subsequent question which barbecue place would you go to
1: Pontiac in Cincinnati. So this is, it's incredible. Everywhere we go, we we try the barbecue. We happen to stumble upon upon this place in Cincinnati called Pontiac. You know, we've been everywhere. We've been to Austin, we've had barbecue and it was good. And we've been to New York and we've had barbecue and it's pretty good. But Miami and have barbecue. But I have to say this Pontiac place, just the cheddar biscuits that melted and were just the cheesiest things. And the ribs were just, it was very special. You can tell it's very special in my heart. (laughs) But that aside, just to say <laughs> over the ribs, everything's gonna be okay. It is really just, you know, knowing that if you just keep pushing on, I think that's what it was. You know, I have I think getting I think for me alcohol was kind of my I mean it was, I was kinda of self medicating in a very heavy way. And I think, you know, I say so I've never tried to kill myself, but I think over ten years in a weird way I was kind of trying to kill myself, or at least trying to kill that part of me that was bringing me so much pain. Um, and not that I would ever advocate for drink or drug use. I genuinely think it got me through some of the harder times. And I know that I probably wouldn't be here today without that. And it was, it was, I was very lucky, as I say, that at the age of 28, when I told my mother finally that I was a trans man um, and she turned around to say within a second, fine, what are we gonna do about this? And it was hearing that from my mom that finally, after nearly three decades of, of pain, made me realize that it was all going to be okay. And had I not had that, I, I genuinely probably wouldn't have been able to, to kind of push through much longer. Um, but I was very fortunate that I had that. And I had a great group of friends who were very supportive. And, uh, and you know, as I say, I, I'm one of the lucky ones.
0: I love that. I also love that it kind of for a second turned into a version of the dating game where Hannah like had a question and wanted to see if it was correct. That, that kind of made the whole interview for me. So thank you. Also, I have family in Cincinnati, so I am going to go try that barbecue next time. There's,
1: there's, a, there's a fried chicken place. It's on the sort of, I mean, we didn't see a huge amount of Cincinnati. We were there actually doing a, a talk with P&G, but there was a, a chicken place on this big strip and we tried the fried chicken. We were like, me, it was all right. And then we, we, Pontiac we literally we were there for five nights and for our last three nights we kept going back to Pontiac every <laughs> time we walked in the first day they were a bit cool with us the next day they're like hey guys by the third day they were giving us free biscuits <laughs> we were like hey, you know, if we lived here we'd be set
0: jake is serious about his barbecue that is serious,
2: serious. About oh, yeah. serious about all food i am Ooh. serious
0: about all food. i mean I'm, a ta- I'm i get it a food is my love language so i feel it I'm, I'm so grateful that you both took the time, um, especially being new parents and being sleep deprived. Can you tell people where to find you online just, just so they can continue watching your journey?
1: So we are both on Instagram and Hannah is at HannahW253 and I am Jake underscore graph five. And you can also find us if you want to know what's going on. We do have a website, which is uh, jakeandhannagraph.com. So we haven't updated that in about yeah, six just months. Go to, just go to
2: Instagram. <laughs> go go find Instagram <laughs> and find
1: us on Instagram and we'll be there. But you have to be careful because there are lots of weird scam accounts that, yeah. and Hannah's name. Weirdly, and we get hundreds, we report hundreds every month because someone at some point thought, oh, I want a woman in military. Where will I find a, a photo of a woman in military? And then some... Dark person who thought they would, you know, probably on the dark web, took all of Hannah's photos and put them in this bucket, I guess, of like, I don't really know how old these things were, but (laughs) there must somewhere be this store. I see it on Catfish. I'm like, ah, okay. There's this store of like, you know, woman
0: search photos.
1: photos. And and literally, we have to, we get messages from across the world from people saying, your wife has robbed me, she's having an affair, she's taken my $10,000, my this and that, she promised me there would be rewards from, and we realized actually after a couple of years, because this has been going on since we met, that there are hundreds of accounts using Hannah's name and photos, or just photos, defrauding people from their life savings, and uh, yes, just beware.
0: And and it's,
1: it's like, for a yeah, yeah, I mean, I.
2: It's one of those things where I feel so bad. I get all these messages, and, and I just want you know, I want to help. I feel because it's my image and my name that has been used to scam these people. I just feel like I should have some sort of responsibility to try and do something about it. But I just, well, what can you do apart from just report them? And yeah, we have like a cleanse, like once a week, just go through it and like report as many as we can. Wow. Um, anyway, Hannah W two five three. There is a blue tick there to that one and we'll begin.
0: Thank you all so much again and uh officially happy Pride and I'm very very grateful that you were part of part of Pride Month. Thank you so much. You so, I'm you.
1: so sorry we haven't like asked you more about you. I feel we haven't kind of been it's very not well about and- me. It's not about
0: me, it's about you and about making sure that all of the fans and followers know who you are so I am grateful.
1: Well, thank you so much. Well, you know, if there's ever anything else we can do, then please let us know. It has been lovely meeting you and hopefully at some point we'll meet properly and we'll bring little Millie to Seattle and you can take us for barbecue. Why don't we meet in Cincinnati and go to Bonzo? Done. it's a Done.
0: Date. Done. thank you again.
2: Thank you. No worries. Happy Pride.
0: Thanks for joining us for this conversation as part of our Face to Faces series. We hope you'll join and support the Faces of Fortitude community on Instagram at Faces of Fortitude, on Facebook at Faces of Fortitude Portraits, and on Twitter as myself, Mary Angela Abeo. If you'd like to become a face in the project or join me in conversation on the podcast, or maybe you have an idea for a topic we should explore or a person we should interview, please contact us at booking at facesoffortitude.com. And until next time, please have extra patience and kindness for yourself and others.